Vera Podcast. Research matters. In conversations with. In this series, we hear from educational leaders, experts, and enthusiasts about their special interest areas and their career experiences. Every year, Vera awards the John Nisbet Fellowship to people who are deemed to have made an outstanding contribution to educational research over their career. Named in honor of our first president, this award recognizes individuals who exemplify Bira's commitment to encouraging educational research and its application for the improvement of practice and public benefit. In 2019, we awarded the John Nisbet Fellowship to three recipients, Professor Mary James, Professor Andrew Pollard, and Professor Walter Humes. Today's podcast is an interview between our Vice President Gary McCulloch and Professor Mary James and Professor Andrew Pollard. This interview was recorded at the 2019 Beera Annual Conference in Manchester. Conversation with Professor Mary James and Professor Andrew Pollard, uh, recipients of the John Nisbet uh, Beera Award in 2019. Uh, really great to see you here, and uh, it was a wonderful presentation and conversation that, that you gave us uh, early, early on, earlier on today. Um, building on, on that, um, would you like to say anything in particular about what Bira has meant to you over the years and, uh, and how you've tried to contribute to, 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 to Bira's work? Well, I was talking to Andrew and, and wondering when I came first. And I think I came to the Bira conference first in about 1981 when I was just a very new researcher. Um, having done a master's but not done my PhD then. Uh, I can't remember much about that, but I do remember a senior colleague coming up to me after I'd given a, a very small paper and being quite complimentary and very welcoming. And that was really important, you know, that you had a mix of very experienced researchers and you had very new researchers and you had the opportunity to learn from each other and find support amongst others. So I think that was really important. Subsequently, um, I've been to many Bira conferences. I don't think I've been every year, but I have seen Bira develop over the time. It's gone through difficult patches, um, but it, I think, has emerged really quite strong now, actually. I'm, I'm amazed at how many members it has, really. And it's not just a conference. In the early days, we thought about Bira as being the conference. People used to say, have you gone to Bira? And they meant the conference, and it was mostly the conference. But now what really impresses me is the range of other activities, you know, the SIG activities and so forth, the um, early career researcher uh, events and so forth, and all the publications. I think it's now um, a really strong um, organization. And I think I would like to see it in the future become perhaps more powerful in talking to user communities. I think that's an, a direction in which it could really, because it, it's got a strong base from which to do that. Well, I, I, I very much agree with that. Um, and I was a teacher researcher, first instance, working in my classroom and um, coming occasionally to Bureau conferences and getting a huge amount of support from um, just the opportunity to um, talk to other people. And uh, I remember, um, talking to my wife, Roz, and uh, saying, well, I've been on that, I presented this thing. They didn't find me out this time. 
you know, so I came with not a great deal of confidence mm. um, as, a, as a young teacher um, trying to investigate my own classroom. Um, but I was able to uh, share that with other colleagues and, and derive a little bit more confidence and then round you go again and again and gradually you build up a bit more confidence. I think Bira provided the opportunities for that. And today, of course, it is, as Mary said, you know, a much stronger, more professional, um, very well organised um, entity. And it's in a position to represent educational research mm. and the complexities of doing educational research um, and to present um, what, is, what we feel we know, both from a practitioner and research perspective, uh, into the public domain. And I think um, that is an area where, uh, in the future, I hope Bira will um, you know, continue to develop its role, um, because um, education is such an important part of contemporary society, um, and we need um, you know, a learned society um, to build alliances work together with all those colleagues where they can and uh, to um, contribute the best we can to the future. Yeah. Yeah. Each of you, of course, have given major keynote addresses uh, at Bureau conferences in the past. Do, do you have any particular memories of those uh, key, keynotes? Um, <laughs> and and uh, um, uh, um, any, of the, any of the key messages which you were trying to uh, uh, put forward Mary, of course, mm -hmm. uh, as as a former president. Of yeah, and and when I I took over that presidency, it was a particular time, really, when Vera was changing quite dramatically, really, and so I had to think about what was my role at that moment. And w the previous president, John Gardner, who I think had done a huge amount of work to change the systems in Vera, really, and and really um, move it onto a footing which is more secure. But um, those had sort of been accomplished, but they needed to be consolidated. So it was a sense in which I felt my role at that time was to help uh, to consolidate those changes and to try to move it fo forward at that time. Um, so I do remember that. And I felt at the time, well, I'm not saying anything very substantial at this stage about um, a particular uh, area of educational research, but it was more to do with moving Bira on to the next stage. And I'm pleased to see that, you know, like establishing the office and so forth, which happened at that particular time, I think it was so, so important, really. Now we're well-resourced. Pre previously, we'd had to outsource virtually a lot of the events and, and publications, and now it's been brought in-house, which means that Bira's got so much more um, control over over the work that it does, and so in some ways I wasn't moving um, the uh, theoretical field forward, but it was about consolidating the organisation at that time. That's what I remember mostly. Well, I think for me, probably it was um, contributing something of the outcomes from TLRP, this great big enormous program of research that um, ran for almost ten years. Uh, and uh, involves so many people uh, around the country, teachers as well as researchers. And um, it, it, Mary and I brought it together through this notion of principles about mm. effective teaching and learning, of which there were 10. And these are evidence-informed principles. They're not prescriptions of, of what will definitely work, 
um, because they rely on um, uh, teachers exercising their judgment and knowledge of their learners in the particular situation they're in and bearing in mind the objectives. So they represent an acknowledged complexity whilst also um, inviting teachers and practitioners to um, use their expertise to make a judgment about the evidence that's available uh, and about their practical experience and bring those things together to make decisions. Um, and that's a different kind of way of approaching um, uh, decision-making in classrooms than reading about some evidence uh, because somebody says it will work um, uh, and then just implementing that because that obviously de-skills teachers in many respects. And so I think that the outcome of TLRP, which was presented back through BIRA, um, is very much one that affirms the expertise of teachers, trusts teachers, um, and uh, I think is a more robust model than a simplistic, I would call it a simplistic um, evidence-based, it should be an evidence-informed um, type of professional judgment that's, that's applied. And I think that was, um, my most um, memorable uh, contribution to Beer's thinking. I, I also tried to develop it a bit further using concepts, because I think it's the way we think about um, uh, teaching learning issues that, that actually gives you some power and analytical bite. And uh, uh, again, at Beer conferences, I, I you know, collected um, kind of data about how people were using big ideas around curriculum assessment and pedagogy and uh, did some work trying to organize those and feed them back into the system. So I think um, for me, the most worthwhile interactions with Bira at the end of the day have been around trying to um, make sense of, uh, of the kind of expertise of teachers. Mm. Of course, as you'll, as you'll both know, one of the great growth areas of BIRA over, over recent years has been with uh, early career researchers. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think you, you've got uh, anything particular that you'd like to say as a message for uh, early career researchers from your own experience? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. At this end of the, my career, where I'm retired, but I still do some work, and most of it's to do with advising um, perhaps other countries and reviewing proposals, you now begin to see how um, uh, things that have, uh, questions that have arisen over the course of your career become more sharply focused. And going back to Andrew's point about the concepts, some of the um, proposals I look at are, are not very clear about the concepts they're using. And that, in fact, if you don't get clarity about your concepts, then a lot of your research falls apart. So the very first thing, I think, is to think very carefully about your research questions and the concepts that you're using in them and how you're defining those concepts. Uh, and therefore, using uh, then thinking about the kind of methods that you actually um, can use to investigate them. And that seems to me to be really important, and yet it's not done well sometimes in the proposals that I, I see. I mean, in my own last project, Learning How to Learn, we thought, well, it's obvious what Learning How to Learn was. And then we actually said, actually, we haven't defined this. So part of our work, part of our early work, was really getting to grips with the literature in that area and realizing that there were several different definitions of that and deciding which particular definition we were actually going to pursue. 
and we talked about it as learning practices where some people thought it was a learning tray or a psychological quality. You know, so we have to, to really think deeply about those sorts of things when you're actually thinking about writing any proposal or thinking about your research. Um, the other thing I suppose that came up for um, me was if we are working in this field of educational research, it is political in the, with a small p, even not a big p, <laughs> sometimes. Mm. Um, and it does have co- your work does have consequences. You hope it will have consequences, but sometimes you get reactions that you actually wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, and therefore, the whole thing about thinking that through, uh, about what perverse consequences might arise in the course of the work that we're doing, and how can we actually make sure that we've given us the resources and, and if you like, um, uh, protect ourselves from uh, the worst consequences. And it can be quite devastating. They can be quite, um, you know, quite upsetting, if you, if you like, for particularly young researchers when they realise that somebody with considerable power is actually trying to um, dissuade you from your course of action, really, or what you're doing. So I think the notions of codes of ethics and practice are really quite important for even the smallest piece of work that you're doing in this particular field. It might be elsewhere as well. Hmm. Well, I think um, new researchers um, are wise if they take a good hard look at themselves, if you like. I think, well, what do they really care about yeah. and want to do? And also, what are their own personal strengths? Um, and, and also, what are the big issues of the day that they might be interested in. So they're thinking partly personally and partly strategically. Um, and then they have to kind of go for a long walk somewhere and be very creative and think, well, what is the little niche I would like to explore? And uh, how can I formulate that into research questions so that I can answer those questions using expertise which I have or can develop? Um, and um, so you have to be comfortable in yourself as well as um, resilient and assiduous in, in developing oneself to tackle an issue of appropriate significance for, for whatever one's circumstance actually is. And, uh, and of course, it's, it's very hard also to kind of um, get the measure of it, really, because um, people who are starting out in research careers are often in a particular, you know, as I was working in a, in a particular school, I had to do research that was containable within the school. Um, so I used to interview children in the lunch times, which you, know, you wouldn't be able to do that nowadays, it's too much pressure, but, but I did. Um, uh, and, and I had to frame my research questions in, in a way that I could actually deliver on. And so there's all sorts of complicated factors really, but I think that that's one of the reasons why being strategic and being creative uh, is a good thing. Um, and uh, standing back a little bit, being realistic, being ingenious, uh, it's probably quite helpful. As an organisation, Bira is now coming up towards its 50th anniversary mm. in 2024. It's not yeah. very far away. Yeah. And uh, some of the questions that we're bound to be asked when we get to that stage are, first of all, um, what difference mm. has the organisation made? Um, 
and, and secondly, what, what, are the, what are the key challenges for, for, the, for the next generation? You know, would, would you have any thoughts on, on either of those? Uh? Well, one, one of the things, I mean, having talked about the ethics of, um, I think one of the most important, if you like, pieces of work that Beer has done on has been on the code of ethics because, you know, that is used very widely, including outside of Beer, you know, that a lot of people will use if they're doing educational research. They will actually pick up on the Beer code of, of practice, really, and ethics, and they will use those when they're thinking about their own projects. And that's people, not just in this country, but elsewhere, because I've seen it um, in, in proposals. You know, they use those, and they find them accessible and appropriate to their particular field. So that's one particular area. I think I'd like to see Bira do more work on synthesis, because I think we've got, a, you know, it's a very rich field, very diverse field. Um, so we get all sorts of findings based on different methods that produce particular insights, um, which are, you know, very interesting and valuable. But how do they relate to the other insights that bear on the same topic, as it were? And there's a, there's a thing called a consensus conference. I don't know if you've come across that, but the idea is you get, a, you get everybody who might have some expertise in, on a particular topic, and you bring them all together, and they may come from very diverse perspectives, but they talk until they form some kind of agreement. Okay? So you have... All that, that, so instead of a, a bureau conference today provides opportunities for people from many perspectives to articulate their point of view and then they go away. Mm. Okay, so this is an event where everybody comes with a different point of view mm. and they stay until they agree. Mm. So now, that's a cumulative it's idea. It's a cumulative idea. Now, I don't know how that would work, but, but, but it's an interesting concept. And the reason it's important is because um, education is key in society but we often send out confused messages mm. and we need to distill our collective expertise more and communicate it clearly. And so the first thing we need is a mechanism and an initiative to, in a sustained way, facilitate um, a better understanding of what it is we think we know. Is that the kind of David Hargreaves idea? I don't know. I'm, no, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not sure of its origins, to be honest. I know I've heard of it being used in France. Um, and I did explore the possibility of using it for TLRP. Um, but for various reasons, we didn't bring it off. But it is something which Bira could um, take on as a new initiative, if it wished to. Um, I certainly think one way or another, we need to be better at distilling what we think we know and giving it back. Mm. Um, the advantage of beer is it's, a, it's an organization that has gone a long life. I mean, when we were in TLRP, we yeah. had a limited. That's right. And it's like a lot of um, initiatives or reforms. You've got time limited. You're pay, you're, you've got funding for a short period of time. And you can't fit all of this in. Whereas if you have a standing organization that's there all the time, you've got to, you can have this kind of iterative mm. approach over time. Yeah. And that was a problem with TLRP, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, insofar as lots of the projects wanted to develop really instruments in new fields, but you couldn't test them before you had to <laughs> report your findings. Yeah. So yeah. it was actually compressed, but BIRA has got the scope to do that. You've, there's a whole thing about identity, though, and culture to deal with, because... You know, many people feel they feel pressed, particularly by um, the criteria by which PhDs and things are awarded, that they've got to produce something unique and original. And they don't, they feel that they, 
almost have to define themselves by their difference to other. So it encourages this kind of separation. And, and so bringing it together in synthesis is actually mm. quite a challenge, really. But I think the Bira could begin to think, well, actually, we do need to think about what we can say jointly as well as what we can say In, Indeed, we, we have tended to, to specialize in our Absolutely. particular things. So mm. synthesis is a different kind of skill. Yeah. And, mm. uh, yeah. And, and, and I, mean, I think uh, the other thing is it would reach across the field um, uh, very widely. Uh, so you'd reach from you know colleagues involved in close to practice research and and those involved in more esoteric social science sort of driven um, research approaches of all sorts. So you might have your historian and you might have your psychologist and you might have your classroom practitioner uh, and but the topic. I don't know, it might be um, how children learn to read most effectively. Um, I, I, you know, it, 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 you have to use your imagination to... to but but um, to the extent that um, policymakers and members of the public throw out their hands in horror and say, well, we're not quite sure what educationists are actually saying because there's all this um, discourse going on, but we can't quite distill what the answer is. And, and so they tend to come up with relatively simplified mm. results. Mm. That's a, that's, that is... You know, they are making an error there, but perhaps we're at fault in part by not helping to distill the knowledge. And so I think that is something that Pira could really valuably contribute in the future. And we need some other kind of outlet, so a conference or yeah. and then something which, which yeah. can, can record that perhaps. And, and, and something which can be scaled up, that can be repeated. There are lots of things we need to, um, lots of topics mm. that would merit that sort of attention. I mean, there was a whole initiative about, you know, um, systematic reviews, but they've got such strict criteria that it's actually very difficult. And here we're talking about, you know, different kinds of forms of research and having a conversation together. So, I mean, the systematic reviews has a, has a role, but it excludes so much, yes. actually, that there is a place for something. Although there are some... Initiatives on, in systematic reviewing, mm. which are bringing in much more effective right. qualitative, and it has data. worked over the yeah. time. That's and that's that, that would be quite a good, um, you know, place to to start. start yeah. yeah. Here, perhaps we're we're talking about how to make educational research truly interdisciplinary, mm. uh, sure. which which perhaps it hasn't yeah. been yeah. fully yeah. in the past. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and um, maybe one one particular opportunity that you think we have for the future, or one particular challenge which comes to mind to, 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 to sort of conclude perhaps for today? I just want uh, taking from that, I just wonder, I've just think, been thinking when you've said that, that, you know, we've, we've very much depended on the social sciences and the humanities, you know, and there's so much talk about AI and genomics and all the rest of it, so should we be reaching out to to, if you like, and economics, the more scientific community too, and somehow bringing them into the conversation as well. I mean, if you read um, Dominic Cummins' blog, he doesn't talk about education, research, or social science at all, and he sort of dismissed it all, and thinks that the answers are in very much in genomics and AI and what have you. Now, rather than just dismissing that, saying, well, actually, can we, can we actually talk to these people, because I think it is really very important in the in um, in the next decades. Yeah, perhaps we could invite it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the challenge <laughs> of communicating 
things to uh, between the research communities and the and practitioner communities will remain important. And I think in some ways that, you know, I've done a lot of different things in educational research, but perhaps the most important has been the reflective teaching um, textbooks, handbooks, and so forth, because they, they mediate between the um, research community and, and practitioner communities. And uh, I've tried to use my kind of grounded sense of what it was like to be a teacher, which is now some years ago, but, it, but you still to stay with an understanding of relationships and of um, the struggle to communicate knowledge and so forth, um, uh, and to maintain you know, behavior in good order in a class and that sort of thing. So, so, but, but the, that, those materials, the, you know, which there are a number of them now, different, been through many different versions, and, um, but they, they are all about giving back to the profession um, uh, in an ordered way, the best knowledge we, we have, um, but in a respectful way as well. And so I think um, those sorts of communications of that type um, are very important, and I think that where Bira can um, facilitate those sorts of communications, it would be very valuable um, to do so. Splendid. Thank you very okay. much, both, both of you, Andrew and, and Mary. Thank you very much okay. indeed. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Bira podcast. For the latest news on Bira events and activities, visit www.bira.ac.uk.